Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Amen. I want you to come with me. And I want to say nice things about everybody now. And uh, Exodus chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4. Um, you know, it, I'm kind of in this little cheat zone at the moment. You know how uh, if you're on a diet, it's good to cheat every now and again. And uh, so I've been on this little cheat thing where I've actually had about uh, half a dozen brilliant uh, sermon ideas come while I was asleep. And, uh, and so my first response is, oh, sugar. You know, God has to talk to me while I'm asleep because I'm not spending enough time with him while I'm awake. But the clarity, it's like, oh, you know, I might just stay here. And uh, so, but I do want to keep pressing in. But, um, but just, uh, so it was really, really funny. So let me read this story and then I'll, I'll explain it. Uh, this is Exodus chapter 4. And um, the context is Exodus chapter 3, Moses meets God at the burning bush. And, you know, the bush catches on fire. And then Moses, that's not unnatural. It happens quite often in the Middle East. But the bush keeps burning, but it's not being consumed. And so that's odd. That there can be a fire, but the fire doesn't devour. In this life... In this life, there are many fires that want to get a hold of your life. There are people who burn with different fires. They burn with the fire of lust. They burn with the fire of greed. They they, they burn with the fire of vengeance. They burn with the fire of anger. But you'll find all of those fires consume people. All of those fires destroy your life. But Moses looks and he sees a fire burning in a bush that does not consume. And as he approaches the bush, the Bible says, he says, now I'll turn aside to see this great sight. When he looks, God talks to him from the fire. And the fire is the fire of God. And uh, in, in this life, I, I've just found that the greatest fire you can burn with is the fire of God. When you burn with the fire of God, it will in no, no way harm you. In fact, I'm not sure if you ever saw... Uh, Prince of Egypt, the, the uh, animation, Prince of Egypt. I remember when I, f- when I first saw it, I was really disappointed because it's the first time I'm going through it because the Bible said it was a burning bush. And then, you know, here's Moses and it's kind of like a, you know, a, a little stick with a couple of branches. I'm like, bah, flipping heck, guys. You know, DreamWorks, couldn't you get that right? It, the Bible says burning bush and, and here. And so then, you know, it goes to Moses hiding his face and then the interaction goes back to God. And as it goes back, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Talk about lack of attention to detail. Now there's leaves on the flip. There were, there were no leaves in the first one. And then it goes back to Moses and then it comes back. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's getting worse. Now there's more branches and more leaves. And, and then it keeps going backwards and forwards. And by the end, the, this, this look like a dead twig in the beginning is now this thriving, thriving bush with ripe fruit falling off onto the ground. So God comes on a dead tree, and while he's using the dead tree to speak to Moses, this thing is regenerating, regenerating, so that it just begins to drop its fruit. That's probably one of the most powerful pictures of what happens when when you allow the fire of God, when you allow the blessing of God, 
everybody burns with something, burn with the fire of God, burn with a passion for God. I'd much rather, you know, uh, you know, somebody come and get, you know, overzealous and, you know, overexcited about the things of God than, than burn with the things of this world that only destroy your life. Amen. So anyway, so Moses, he turns aside, see this great sight. God begins to talk to him about Egypt. He begins to talk to him about God's mission, God's purpose, God's assignment, God's destiny. And then he says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to send you. Moses now gives him a whole litany of excuses why Moses can't go because he has a speech impediment and all of these things. And, and then, he, then he says, well, okay, well, hang on. Then when I go to the Israelites, how will they know it's you? Who do I tell them you are? And he says, well, just tell them I am who I am. And he's like, that's not going to help me. You know, like, what's your name? And so this, you know, back and forth. So now come down to chapter four, verse one. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand into your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand into your bosom again. So he put his hand into his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be if they do not believe you nor heed the message of the first sign that they may believe the message of the latter signs. So if I was going to give this uh, a title this morning, it's the two signs. It's the two signs. It's the two signs of the power of God, the activity of God working in your life. I was, I was, uh, it was maybe 5 a.m. And, uh, and I had this most beautiful dream of this picture. And, uh, and, I, and I saw this picture of, of Moses with the rod and cast it down, turns into a serpent. Moses runs from it. God turns him around, says, go and grab it by the tail. And he grabs it by the tail and turns into a rod again. And, and God, God was showing me, and, uh, and I've seen this part of it before, that, that one of the dimensions that you will find, that you will come into, and especially the, the goal of Empower Conference is to uh, equip and resource every single person in our church to understand that they have power over the enemy. He throws the rod down. The rod is, was a stick from this world. And, and the power of this world, the principality and power of this world, the God of this age is the serpent, is Satan. And he says, now go and grab it by the tail. And when he grabs it by the tail, it forms back into a rod again. God showing Moses... I'm going to give you authority over all the power of the enemy. You're going to have authority over all the power of the enemy. This is important because you will find that, uh, that as you advance, as you progress, you will come up against demonic forces. And a Harvard degree is wonderful. It's a wonderful thing, but it's not going to equip you to deal with demonic forces. You, you can have more degrees than a thermometer, 
but still still lack the 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 insight the understanding and the power to break curses to break demonic forces they're not doing they're not doing degrees in college on how to lay hands on the sick and see the sick recover they're not doing college courses on how to cast out demons but you will find that in this house, in this place, in the presence of God, there's an anointing that comes upon you. There's an equipping, there's a resourcing that will happen. There's a training, there's a, there's a teaching, there's an impartation, there's an understanding, there's a revelation that will come to you so that you can understand how to take on demonic forces. Now, the demonic forces operate in two realms. I find that the, the demonic forces oper, operate in what we call... Uh, assignments assignments are ones that are sent to you they're ones who are sent to afflict you personally they come and they attack your children they come and attack your marriage or they come and attack your family they come and attack your health they come and attack your finances god allows this to to equip you and i so that so that your discernment might develop so that you might discern this is not normal this is this is this is abnormal this is extraterrestrial this is paranormal, and, and what does the Scripture say? The Bible says, by His stripes I am healed. So now warfare ensues. The beautiful Scripture in uh, the book of Judges, chapter 3, it says, The Lord God did not drive out all the inhabitants of the land. He left some of the Jebusites and the Hivites and the Amorites in the land, so that the children of Israel might know warfare. Because the Bible says a generation had risen up that did not know warfare. So there was warfare to get into the promised land. But because of Joshua and the previous generation fighting all the battle, the children grew up not having to fight because the battles were fought for them. And God thought, this is not going to be good. If they don't know how to fight for what they've inherited, someone's going to come in and plunder them. So therefore, God had left some of the enemy. Sometimes we can say, man, why is God allowing this sickness? Why is God allowing this to happen in my family? God is only doing that so that you might know warfare. God, God, God never brings it in because he's trying to punish you God never brings it in because he's trying to diminish you God brings it in God has already defeated the enemy he brings an, a defeated enemy in so that you might learn to whoop on him it's like when 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 somebody gets uh, a vaccination like say say it's polio what they inject into your body is a defeated polio it's polio already defeated and it's put into your body so that your body might recognize, my God, there's a, a foreign enemy, a foreign entity has now entered into and now your immune system begins to array and begins to say, how do we take this thing down? And it begins to produce antibodies so that, so that you are now no longer susceptible to contracting polio. But it's, it's a defeated polio. They don't inject the real polio. Well, I hope she makes it. No, they, they inject a defeated polio into your system. That's what God does. God has defeated the enemy, but he allows the enemy to come in. So, so the, the first area, the first area of the, of the enemy coming against you and I is, is, is what I call, you know, there are assignments in hell where, where they will go after you. They see you flourishing. They see you growing. They're looking for a weakness and they come in. And God does this 
so that you might know warfare. God does this so you can discern good from evil, so you can discern wickedness from righteousness, so you can discern the presence of God from the presence of the enemy. This is not from God. If it's not from God, can I just encourage you, don't accept it. If it's not from God, don't accept it. And uh, but begin to, to dive into the scriptures. And, and God's doing this because he's trying to de develop you. He's trying to make you a powerhouse. He's trying to make you a powerful weapon. He's trying to see whether the word over you is the word flowing through you. He's trying to see whether the word over you is the word flowing through you. The Bible says that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. God had spoken words over Jesus, but now the maturity was going to come. Could the words spoken over Jesus be the words that flowed out of Jesus? And so three times Jesus was able to say to the devil, it is written. Devil, it is written. It is written. Proving that the word was not just over him, but the word was in him, flowing through him. When the word is in you, flowing through you, there is no force on this planet that can stand against you. And so, so the first area is, is in the enemy will come to you personally. The second area is you will find there is resistance in, in your mission as you progress, as you take ground. When we came to San Diego, and you've all heard the story, people said, hey, if you want to be a spirit-filled church, uh, you need to just be content with being under 300. People said, hey, San Diego's an elephant graveyard. Uh, an elephant graveyard. It's an elephant graveyard. <laughs> you know, only the bravest lions go there. <laughs> it's a preacher's graveyard. Too much Akuna Matata. <laughs> Simba. Everything the light touches. <laughs> I remember getting with a pastor in the same in the same uh, state of California, but in another city, and he was he was he was relishing the fact that uh, you know his city was a tough city because it had made him feel better about his lack of progress. And I just thought, ah, oh, man, I I'd rather progress than excuses that I can hang my hat on and say, well. You know, San Diego has been prophesied to be. I, I thought, man, but why, why not just why not just shatter the ceiling? Why 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 live under what God has called me to rule over? <clears throat> you know, it, there's a beautiful story, a beautiful verse in the book of Esther. Mordecai comes to Esther, and he, you know, and he's like, you need to go and talk to the king because Haman who's got the king's ear, has duped the king, has tricked the king into wiping out all the, all the Israelites. They're all going to be wiped out. And he says, if you think just because you're the king's queen, you know, just because you're his wife, if you think that you're going to escape such a judgment, man, you better think again because this guy is hell-bent on wiping out every Jewish person in the land. And he says, you know, you need to go before the king. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The king hasn't asked for me for months. I can't just walk in unannounced. It's a death penalty. And so Mordecai reminds her, says, you know, sweetie, when your mom and dad died and I took you into my home, you were just a little girl and I raised you, but I always felt there was a call of God. I always felt there was something of God over your life. And then all the circumstances of all the women in, in the nation, you're the one that gets chosen to be his queen. You're the one that has that element. He goes, maybe, maybe for such a time as this, you were called. But then he says this, but I want you to know, Esther, if you remain silent, 
Like he's trying to remind her, like, look at the circumstances. This is not a fluke. This is not an accident. Like you're here because of God's divine providence and God's divine leading. He says, but if you remain silent, help will rise from somewhere else. But who knows, maybe you were born for such a time as this. And those words rocked her. And I reckon maybe there was a little bit of, I don't want God to have to raise up someone else. When we came to San Diego, I thought, you know, I, you know, I, I wonder how many times God has sighed, you know, he'd sent someone to the city. Because I know that we weren't God's first choice for San Diego. In fact, God told me I wasn't even in the top 10 choices. But I made a decision. I don't want to be, I, in fact, I do want to be his last choice. I, I, don't, I don't want him to go, oh, Man, I was really hoping Jurgs would be obedient. I really was hoping Jurgs would do all that was in my heart. <sighs> Is there someone else I can send in who won't come under the culture, who won't, who won't let the culture of the city or who won't, uh, you know, elevate their own comfort and acceptance and approval and convenience above the call of God on my life, you know. <clears throat> so I, I honestly believe that there's, there's an element where God calls you to rule over something that is trying to force you to live under and and you'll find that that's just ministry that's just ministry whether it's whether it's connect group that you're running whether it's you know high schools whether it's colleges whether it's uh, universities whether it's middle schools whether it's children's church whether it's you know military bases you will find that the devil is not into giving up ground without a fight And so you and I have to learn the art of warfare. You and I have to understand that I have authority over all the power of the enemy. And uh, it's a great thing to know, but sometimes the enemy will know whether you know. He will test to see whether you know that you know. And so there's times where you've got to exercise that authority. You've got to grab that devil by the tail and, and, and take authority. You've got to learn how to bind and you've got to learn how to lose. Nothing, nothing advances. When we go east this year, it's not going to happen just because <clears throat> C3's got a cool name or, you know, we got a cool band or we got great worship or we got an album coming out. It's, east, east couldn't care less. There are demonic forces trying to contain. They don't want people to come into the life-giving influence of the gospel. They don't want people to break through in their marriages and families. They don't want people delivered of their addictions and their chains and their bondages. And so you better believe there are demonic forces out there that don't want us to go out there. But we don't care what the devil wants. We're here to do what God wants. And we're just going to walk right over. We're just going to trample right over. Come on, somebody. Trample right over whatever the devil wants. Because we're here to exercise dominion. Somebody say amen. And so, so we, we understand that, that that happens through prayer. That happens through prayer. And I just love that we're a praying church. I love that we're a praying church. We have Tuesday morning prayer meetings. You know, our North Campus pastors, Dr. Matt and, and beautiful Pastor Michaela, phenomenal prayer warriors, you know, had a dramatic encounter with God in our church, you know, almost 12 years ago through prayer. And prayer has just become part of the DNA, become part of the foundation of who they are. And every every Tuesday morning, there are men rocked here and men rocked there and now down at South Campus. And, and there's, there's something powerful about men praying, there's something powerful about women praying, getting after in prayer. But the second dimension of this was, was not just spiritual warfare, not just taking ground, not just authority, God's power taking ground over the enemy but the second sign was was really interesting 
And so again, I'm asleep and, and I saw Moses put his hand into his shirt and I saw him pull it out and it's all leprous. And then he, you know, he's obviously freaking out. What, you know, God just struck me with leprosy. And then God says, put it back in. He puts it back in. And when he pulled, put, pulls it back out, it's just beautiful, clean skin again. And God says that the, the second area that my power flows in every single one of our lives is the first thing that God will begin to do is sh- begin to show us the wickedness that's in our own hearts. The wickedness that's in our own hearts. And... Uh, a lot of people lose their ministry because they're taking ground in, they're using that first rod. They're, they're taking ground, they're building great, you know, churches and, you know, preaching all over the world and television ministry. But, but on this side, they haven't allowed the power of God to really penetrate. And I've, I find that, 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 that it's not one or the other. You know, you meet the people, they say, well, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit's more important than the gifts of the Spirit. Well, you won't find that backed up in Scripture. Nowhere in Scripture does, you know, the Apostle Paul give commentary and say, well, if you've got to choose, nowhere. God wants you to have both. God wants you to have the gifts of the Spirit, which is the external power, and then He wants to have the fruit of the Spirit, which is the internal yielding. And so, so here's, one, here, here's the sign, the sign is you taking ground, but the other sign is that you taking, allowing God to take ground in your heart. And, and every single one of us were born with a bent. Every single one of us were born with bents. Every single one of us were born with a bias towards sin. I did not have to teach any of my children how to lie. They just did it naturally. I didn't have to teach them how to be selfish how to steal stuff when the sibling's not looking, how to, how to eat their piece of pie and their sisters. You know, I didn't have to teach them how to do wrong. I didn't have to teach them. How, th- those things came naturally. And, uh, and the problem is that a- as we grow, those things, are st- those things are still there. And I find that God gets just as much delight, believe it or not, maybe even more delight in it's it's great to conquer a territory but i think it's proverbs 16:32 says he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit the one who takes a city yes. we're all about taking cities and we're all about you know being mighty you know men and women of god but god says well he he was slow to anger he who rules his spirit someone who operates in self control is better and I just, I just think there's a, there's a dimension where you need to understand the internship program is not just about equipping, resourcing, and empowering you to take ground externally. Because what's the point of you taking ground? What's the point of you becoming king of the hill only to lose it all because of character flaws and character deficiencies? So you will find that the God goes to work at showing you. And uh, how many people know when he pulled his hand out, it wasn't a pleasant experience? No one's like, oh, sugar, leprosy. And leprosy is always symbolic of sin in the Scripture. And God, God, you have to be in a place. If, if the Bible says if we deny that we have sin, then we, we make him out to be a liar. So creating an environment in, in whether it's the internship, whether it's our leadership development, or even just our staff and team, 
where we recognize, hey, that every single one of us have got issues in our hearts. We've got fears, we've got insecurities, you know, we've got motivations, wrong motivations, we've got ambitions and genders. And you know, I'd love to tell you that I've been following Jesus for 32 years and, I, and church, let me tell you how I finally mastered holiness, how I finally became perfectly righteous. You know, I'd love to tell you that. You know, I think the closer you get to God, the more jacked up you really see that you are. And uh, the more that you need His grace, the more that you need His mercy, the more that you need His forgiveness. And, uh, you know, the, the grace, the, 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 the only thing I'm still trying to find with the, with the grace camp is, you know, it, uh, is, is not camping just to, hey, you know, I'm the chief of sinners, you know, thank God for His grace, because I, I know that that's, that's a great revelation to come to, but I know that God wants to, to get into those areas. He, he, wants, he wants to come alongside me in the garden of my heart and help me uproot some of those things, because whether, I, whether I, I'm forgiven for some of the trees that are growing, but I don't have to continually have that fruit and have that mess and then have to mop up and clean that mess. I can get in there with God and I reckon that God just absolutely delights in the ability and it takes it actually takes quite a bit of courage it takes quite a bit of courage honestly to 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 be real with God you know uh as as I'm kind of been doing my uh devotions I'm really loving the one year bible that's kind of you know in, in uh, chronological order it's just brilliant but I've just gotten through um chronicles and what's amazing about King David is King David continually surrounded himself with prophets. He continually brought prophets. Now, you don't need to understand he's the king. He's, the, he's a musician. He's a psalmist. He's a songwriter. He's the guy who brings in the presence of God. He's the guy who decides it's not going over here into Moses' tabernacle. We're going to build a tabernacle for the presence of God. He sits in the presence of God, worshipping the presence of God. He organizes musicians 24-7 to be around, you know, constantly singing praise and worship 24-7-365 around the clock to, to the presence of God so that the God of Israel might go before them. God gives them peace all around. And yet, even though he's the kingpin, he elevates, he recognizes that he needs around him. Nathaniel needs around him. Dan, he needs all of these, he has all of these voices. He has about a dozen men and women that God speaks to as prophets around him because he knows his own susceptibilities. He knows his own vulnerabilities. He knows that I have blind spots and he knows that he is, even though he is the king over the land, being the king over the land does not take away from the fact that he is still the servant of the word of the Lord. And so he elevates the word of the Lord to a place where these prophets are able to speak to him and tell him judgment things and tell him correction things and tell him, man, I've done wrong. I took a census of the people. And then the prophet comes in, Dan the seer comes in and says, what you've done, God's going to give you three choices. And, and so he immediately submits to the word of God. And can I just encourage you in this environment, in this in internship, in this staff, in this team, we want to equip and empower you to take ground, to see the dream of God and the purpose of God and the vision of God and the mission of God come to pass in your life. But at the same time, understand that there's such a delight in God 
for him to deal with those things in your heart, those ceilings in your heart, those insecurities, that you know, those, those struggles, those depravities, those those things that that have gripped you, that have held you, that have bound you. You know, I'm not sure what your past is. I'm not sure what your what your past is like, but but you need to understand the devil is a violator. The devil is a the devil is a violator. I was I was reading again where. Uh, in Genesis 18, it says that, you know, the angels came to Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, they're in the open square and Lot sees them and quickly comes out and says, hey, quick, come into my house. They're like, no, 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 we'll sleep out here. He's like, you can't sleep out here. Come into my house. And no sooner have they entered the house and the Bible says all the men of the city had surrounded the house saying, bring out the men. Bring out the men that, that you brought into your house. Bring them out so that we can have sex with them. And Lot walks out and says, my brethren, don't do such a wicked thing. And they're like, this guy came here to live us. Now he acts like a judge. What we're going to do to you now is going to be far worse than what we were going to do to those men. And um, the angels had to grab him and pull him back inside. And they struck him with blindness. And they said, man, this is the reason God's going to wipe this place out because of its wickedness. And God showed me that the, the reason that that homosexual spirit is so aggressive the reason that it's so aggressive is because this is how it evangelizes. This is how it evangelizes. Uh, whether it's Milo in Indianapolis or, you know, even some of the kids that I uh, had in our youth ministry in Sydney, I found that, that one of the most common denominators for homosexuality was that they had been interfered with by another male when they were in their developmental years because this once the once the abuse or the sex act whatever once that is finished a spirit remains behind a spirit remains behind and so so here are these new men and the, the that that homosexual for it to thrive and for it to live it has to be aggressive in order to bring it in we're going to have people, maybe there are people here and someone violated or someone interfered with you. And so there's now a torment because the act is gone. Maybe there's still an element of the shame, but you'll find there's a spirit that lives there. And that spirit will create confusion and create torment. And if there's nobody here, there will be people that come in and they carry that. Maybe they've hidden it or they've masked it or whatever. I never want to be the church where we're so busy taking ground out there that we don't have time to, to allow God to, to have a look in here, to have a look at what's in here, what's growing in our heart. Because I'm telling you, there is deliverance and there is freedom. There is salvation. There is God's goodness, there is God's mercy, there is God's loving kindness. You don't have to live under any other spirit than the Spirit of God. God is a good God. God is a good God. And He, he is a God that heals, He is a God that delivers, He is a God that restores. He is a, he, he is a God that, that brings you out of darkness, out of bondage, into, your, into the light, into the very, very best, into His garden of delights, His garden of blessing. So let me just pray as we come to a close. But uh, can I just encourage you? This year, this year, make, make it a goal to allow God to work in two of those, both of those dimensions. It's not one or the other. When Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible says Moses and Elijah spoke to Jesus. Elijah represents the anointing. Elijah represents the spirit. Elijah represents the miracles, the supernatural. 
Moses was the one who brought God's laws down from heaven. And Jesus up on the mountain is conversing with both. You'll find that you and I need both. We need the anointing, but we also need the convicting of God's laws in, in, in His Word to show us what's in our heart. Father, I just thank You for each and every life, for each and every heart. Father, I know that You love all of these beautiful people even more than I do. I know that You are for them even more than I'm for them. And Father, we want to create an atmosphere and an environment here that pleases You. Every single one of us have leprous. Every single one of us have issues in our own hearts. We're all on a journey. We don't judge. We don't cast stones at one another. But Father, I pray that we would create an environment here where people can talk about, where people can find confidence to share, man, this is my battle. This is my struggle. How do I overcome? Lord God, that when we preach and when we minister, that we're never preaching and ministering from... from uh, a place that is that is plastic, that is unrelated. But Father God, from a reality, I once was this. I once was blind, but now I see. That, that we preach from a place where this is what I once walked through, or this is once what happened to me, or this was once my battle, or this was my struggle. That there's a humility. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for your great power, your great presence. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for taking ground externally, but even more, Father, for taking ground internally. We open our hearts again to you today, and Lord, we echo the words of King David, who says, search my heart, O God, and see if there's any wicked way within us. Father God, we thank you that you love us despite what you find, despite what you show us in our hearts. Let us never choose what's growing in our hearts over you. Let us always choose you, and let us allow you to come with us into the garden of our hearts to uproot all of those things that displease you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com. 